Welcome to The Best Job in South Dakota. I'm your host, Rebecca Blue. And I'm Chris Church. Our guest today is Kelsey Garretts. She's a feedlot manager at JPJ Enterprise, Inc. I am really looking forward to hearing more about what Kelsey is doing in this role. But before we do that, Chris, let's check in. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I've been thinking about talking to Kelsey, thinking about the feedlot. And it occurred to me, well, the feed is probably a lot of of feed corn. Right. And I know her family, they grow some corn, probably feeds right into the feedlot. You know, I don't have a lot of experience in the cornfield. Oh, I do. But I but I understand you do. So maybe you have a story or two and you can tell us and uh, I'm all ears. Ha. Huh. <laughs> um, yes, I have a lot of experience with corn out in cornfields because for a summer job in high school and into college, I actually worked for Pioneer, which had a field station east of Huron, really right outside of Cavour. And talking about best jobs, it was 100% the best summer job a kid could hope for. I started out the first couple of years just on the pollinating crew. So you'd you know, go out there for just two or three weeks. And in the morning, you'd put the shoot bags on the shoots. And in the afternoons, you were putting the tassel bags on the tassels. Um, and then eventually, you would be pollinating the corn for, for research purposes. And it was really, really interesting. And I ended up then doing a couple of years on the full summer crew, which was really, really great too, because there was fantastic people on on our team. Shout out to Kristen and my sister Sarah and all my cousins. <laughs> We're all on the crew. We had a great time. Um, one thing for some reason that just popped in my head talking about corn too is there was a sweet corn patch there. And I remember we'd go and get sweet corn to take home and stuff sometimes. But one day we must have been really hungry or something. I do not know what, but we decided to just eat some sweet corn raw, which I don't even know if that is something anybody ever has done. Um, But it actually was so good. It was really sweet. I was surprised just how sweet it was. Um, I, of course, prefer my sweet corn grilled or lightly boiled or frozen for eating and enjoying in the winter. But it actually was really surprisingly good. But we just had, I don't know, just the best memories at, at Pioneer. Best summer job. Um, except for when you got lost in one of the out-of-town cornfields and you thought, oh my gosh, is this field ever going to end? I sometimes wondered if that was what hell might feel like. <laughs> it's like a never-ending cornfield that you can't get out of. But um, Luckily, that did not happen very often, so I was left with wonderful, wonderful memories of my summers with Pioneer out in the cornfields. Okay, well, thanks for your story. I'm going to have to head out to the cornfield. Sounds like you had a great time. Sounds like it was amazing. (laughs) It really was. It really was. But with that, let's get back to our guest, As I mentioned before, our guest today is Kelsey Garretts. She's the feedlot manager at JPJ Enterprises Incorporated. Kelsey has a bachelor's degree in animal science and agricultural science with a minor in ag business and ag marketing from SDSU. Garrett is also extremely active in the agricultural community, holding seats on the South Dakota Corn Growers Association Board, the Beef Industry Council Board, is president of the South Dakota Cattlemen's Auxiliary and helps out with the local FFA chapter if that were, all of the rest was not enough. Kelsey, I would say, clearly has the best job in South Dakota. 
for a number of reasons. One, she gets to be out there on the farm taking care of the cattle. That has to be extremely satisfying. And on top of that, she's involved in so many groups. I find that just so inspiring and I can't wait to hear more about that. I would say I would do this job for two two months, get out there, see a little bit about what she's doing on the feedlot, learn more about that, and just see what she's doing in all these roles on these on the boards. I think that is just so great. How about you, Chris? Well, feedlot manager is a job that I, I more admire than desire. It's too hard. <laughs> it's that's that's a lot of work. Probably have to get up early to feed the cattle. I don't think it's for me. So I, I appreciate that Kelsey's doing it. It's a great job. Maybe not for me. <laughs> I'm going to let so, her stick to that. But I'm, I'll be glad to go out there for a couple of weeks, mostly to drive the equipment, because there's got to be some good farm equipment out there, some front-end loaders to, you know, move the feed around. But about the third time I drop the feed in the wrong place, I think Kelsey's going <laughs> to say... Uh, could you run an errand into town or something? Yeah. Because we don't need you around here. <laughs> oh, well, with that, let's go and talk to Kelsey. So hold on tight and we'll be right back with our guest. And we're back with our guest, Kelsey Garretts. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So as we all know, agriculture in general is a very male-dominated profession, but I can imagine when you look at the pool of feedlot managers out there, the number of women doing that job is even smaller, which must be a really rewarding feeling to do that work because you're breaking through stereotypes and demonstrating that women are just as capable of being amazing feedlot managers. But I have to admit, I am not very familiar with what a feedlot manager does day in, day out. So could you give us a little maybe overview of that and what some of the highlights for you are? Absolutely. Um, the best part of my job is the inconsistency of my days. Uh, I wake up not really knowing what I'm going to do. And it's super exciting having that mystery in my life. Uh, the only consistent thing I can say is I do feed once in the morning and once at night. But anything in between there can be anything from walking pens, treating or vaccinating cattle, grinding hay, during planting and harvesting. Obviously, uh, those skills are put in the place of the in between the two feedings. So anything of that spectrum is welcomed. Uh, the highlight of my day would have to be at the end when everything's done and everything is slowed <laughs> down. And I'm walking pens and it's quiet and everyone's happy and fed and that is just a relief all in itself. Oh, I can imagine. And do you think as, you know, a woman in that role, do you have any skills or talents that you think you bring to that job as a woman that are maybe unique from what a man might bring to that same role? Oh, absolutely. I believe that us women have the maternal instinct uh, already built in. Um, that mothering, that attention to detail, the patience is crucial. I mean, it's one of those things that my dad may not, he has the patience to sit there and troubleshoot a tractor scenario. A tractor's broke down. He doesn't know what's happening. He's troubleshooting, but a calf is born and it's not, it's not getting up and walking right away. 
I have that patience and that maternal instinct to sit there and get that calf to get up and get that calf to suck or to try to um, have a down cow or a cow that ain't feeling very well and just have that uh, patience, that maternal instinct to kind of bring to the table kind of makes me a little different in that aspect. Great, for sure. Do you get do you get some interesting looks too when you tell people you're a feedlot manager? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's kind of... Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's a conversation starter, really, uh, when people are like, what do you do for a living? And I say, hey, I feed cattle. And they're like, you don't look like it. Like, <laughs> you, like you're 120 pounds and you, you're like very pretty. Like, why would you want to do something like that? I'm like, hey, I, I do my job well. <laughs> so <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, yeah, breaking that stereotype is definitely one of those things that it's a goal of mine. Yeah. Well, Kelsey, the, one of the reasons you do the job well is, A, you grew up on a farm, but above and beyond that, uh, you also have a degree in animal science and agricultural science with minors in ag business and ag marketing from South Dakota State University. So from your years at SDSU, I'm going to give you a choice of questions. Either what was the most valuable course you took or the most fun or both? <laughs> well, okay, first off, go Jacks. I mean, I'm always a jackrabbit. <laughs> I yes. bleed yellow and blue all day long. Uh, I love that school. Um, so let's wrap that up all into one class. The most valuable class and the funnest class that I had was actually my intro to meats class, which I never even thought that was a class. And I was a little skeptical going in. Um, we're going to talk about meat for how many months and we're gonna <laughs> deep dive like what like this is not this is not gonna be fun and it ended up being a blast uh my professor made it fun I did not know there was so much diversity and science behind muscle fibers and proteins and how to break those down and how to emulsify I did not know there was any sort of that aspect to it uh I had so much fun we got to make make different meat dishes. Uh, I had tongue tacos for the first time, so that was quite interesting. Wow, <laughs> it sounds informative and and fun. Chris would not eat but the not, tongue tacos. Not the tongue taco. No, I'm, I'm going to pass on that. Well, they didn't tell us it was tongue. They're just like, here, have some tacos, and we should have known better. That when we all sat down and were like, these are really delicious chicken. Like they look like shredded chicken tacos. And then you ate it, and they were like, oh no, that was cow tongue. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I thought something was different. <laughs> Interesting. Thank you. Thank you for letting us know that. <laughs> all right, now Kelsey. In addition to managing the feedlot, your family also has row crop production. So fingers crossed. How's the outlook for this year's production of row crops? Uh, yeah, we were looking good. Uh, we could use some rain. We don't look as much, as bad as other areas, so I we can't complain, honestly. But we really do need that rain just to get that crop in, make sure we got that uh, corn for the feedlot. But yeah, I mean, pretty optimistic at this point, but the optimism slowly, day by day, is dwindling. Right. I imagine you use the corn to feed into the feedlot, but I wanted to ask you about not just feed corn. I understand, and I'm a little disappointed, your family does no longer have a patch of sweet corn. How can that be? Don't you have great memories of sweet corn, growing sweet corn? I I do. I do have those fond memories of going and picking sweet corn with my closest family and making that uh, 
one-of-a-kind tasting bagged corn that you keep in the mm-hmm. freezer over winter that you just can't ever replicate in canned corn. You can't. And it, it is one of those things that uh, family just didn't feel the need that it was a, necessi- a, ne- a necessity anymore. So uh, that had to go, which is sad. It is because there, there's nothing, yes. nothing, nothing like fresh-picked like sweet corn. I think you got to call a uh, business meeting at the uh, or a family meeting at, at the farm. <laughs> and be like, hey, we need to get yes. this restarted. Yes. Like, let's yeah. go. I, I recommend that. <laughs> now, you did grow up on a farm, and I'm envious of this because in your youth, I'm sure you were driving farm equipment, and I didn't get to do that. So, do you have memories of being young and driving farm equipment and having fun? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that was one of the joys as a child is being able to drive that equipment or at least try to drive it as best <laughs> as you could, as long as you could make it go forward. Uh, they were trying to get you. Dad would always be like, hey, go grab that piece of machinery from that field or from the yard or whatever and bring it down here. And you're like so giddy to get up there. <laughs> and then once you get up there, you get in it and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> But as as long as you can take the brake off and maybe get it to go a little bit and get it halfway there and then call dad and be like, "Um, I don't really know what I'm doing. Can you (laughs) at least help me put it into first gear? And you know that having that knowledge of uh, using the loader while you're picking rock was elite compared to your siblings because you got (laughs) the AC and you got the radio, and you could beep the horn at them when they yes. missed a rock. I mean, those memories you just can't ever replace. Well, I'm surprised <laughs> your father wasn't afraid you were going to strip the clutch. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he had lots of fear. But, I mean, throwing us kids into experiences like that kind of made us who we are as people uh, today. So well, I'm jealous. Right there, are no better preparation than just getting thrown into <laughs> thrown into a situation and having to figure out <laughs> exactly troubleshooting by yourself. Yep, right for sure. Well, clearly, all of those lessons that you learned along the way have served you very well. You have this amazing job that you're doing, and not only are you just doing that job, you also find the time to serve on several boards which I think is amazing. You serve on the board of the South Dakota Corn Growers Association. You hold a seat on the Beef Industry Council Board. You are president of the South Dakota Cattlemen's Auxiliary, and you help out with the local FFA chapter. All of this is amazing. Doing just one of those things would be impressive, but you have this long, long list. So it's very clear that you're passionate about being involved. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do in these roles and also, I'm, I'm really, really interested in knowing, you know, why it is important to you to not only be a member of these organizations, but also to serve in these leadership roles. Yeah, absolutely. So each of those roles kind of allows me to be a medium in between not only consumers and producers, but also bridging that gap between producers and what's happening in D.C. with policy. So obviously the corn growers, they focus on the corn ethanol um, market and policy. Uh, The Beef Industry Council, that board, uh, its job is to allocate the beef checkoff dollars that are given to our state. So I work on uh, the research committee of that. So we take a look at different research projects that are um, given to us that we look at. And 
we decide which money is to be given to each project that we feel would benefit beef the most. And obviously the South Dakota Cattlemen's Auxiliary is a women-ran organization. Uh, We focus on driving that beef demand. We are geared more towards uh, the women and child demographic, so kind of getting into schools, getting um, the word out about beef to uh, maybe women who um, cook those meals and not necessarily know that they can put the beef into the diet and have it be healthy for kids. And all that wrapped up together is it's a lot. It can be a handful sometimes. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, but I always have the notion that if, if I don't do it, nobody else is going to. And I wish the youth would kind of yeah. uh, push more towards that. Uh, we definitely need to do a better job at showing the youth what organizations like this and what impact they make on policy and they and not to just complain about uh, what's happening or what uh, the government isn't doing or what's happened to our beef checkoff dollars, but actually putting forth that complaining energy and making an impact and actually getting on these boards and getting your word out and telling people exactly how you feel straight to their face instead of just complaining to the local guys at the coffee shop. Trying to push the youth out of their comfort zone and really making them grow, not it, not only in their position, but as a professional career. Right. Well, I think it's so inspiring that you're taking on so much and, and, and being so involved because, you know, when you look at the landscape of agricultural related boards throughout South Dakota, you are seeing very few women, if any, and you're also seeing very few young people. And so I think it's it's a tremendous thing that you're doing to be so in, so involved and, and really, I think it's inspiring and hopefully it's going to motivate some other people. And so I would definitely want to hear your advice for what you would uh, say to women or to young people who are interested in being involved, but maybe they're just not sure how to go about doing that. And I understand not wanting to get involved. I mean, people are busy, obviously, and it can be rather intimidating. Being a 25-year-old girl sitting on a board of 50 to 60 to 70-year-old men can be rather intimidating because their wisdom and their knowledge itself is way far than I can even fathom. And it can be scary trying to sit there and follow their conversations. But knowing that I bring something different to the table and that I can bring something different to the table and they know that has given me enormous amounts of confidence, not only in my job and what I do day to day, but in myself as an individual. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, I think that's so great. I think it can be very overwhelming sometimes for young people and and women and and young men to walk into that room. And so amazing kudos to you for doing that and then showing other women and young people that, hey, yeah, you can do that. And you have a lot to offer because that is the thing is, is to have the more diversity you have in any board is the more points of view you're hearing, the more ideas you're coming up with. And so I think that is, that's really, it really is just so important. I can't make and emphasize that and like how important I think that is and how amazing I think it is that you're on these boards. And so now that you're involved in these, on these boards, what would be some of the advice that you'd give to these organizations that are looking to get young people and women involved? Um, it's hard. It's it's going to be hard uh, to get the youth motivated. Is it's going to be a a big hurdle to cross. Um, just showing them the impact that the organization makes. I didn't know that any of these existed till somebody 
saw potential in me and said, hey, you need to come to meetings. You need to, you have something to say. You have something to bring to the table. You need to be here. And so just finding those key individuals and that's maybe uh, going to the local cattleman's meeting and picking out a 20 year old kid and is like, hey, you are very involved or you're already on the board or you were you were a part of your youth F- or youth FFA or youth 4-H council. I feel like you need to step up and be a part of your uh, state affiliate or something like that. So just trying to network as much as possible. Kids nowadays don't know the value of networking and don't appreciate the fact that going to these meetings, you can meet uh, people who are crucial to your professional development. Because in this industry, it's not what you know anymore. It's kind of who you know. And I've been brought up, thankfully, with people that saw something in me and inspired me and and talked to other people about me and kind of just got my name out there. And that's how I'm on all these boards is because I, I someone saw something in me that I need to see in someone else. So inspiring other people, uh, looking for those other people, uh, showing the youth how these boards are involved with policymaking. I didn't know that the National Commons Beef Association was so involved with policy until I went to D.C. myself and was advocating for beef and was like, oh my goodness, I am so glad that I pay a membership and that I am able to send people that I know and I trust with issues that I have at home to DC to make those connections with the representatives and the senators. And I don't have to do this. <laughs> I mean, because I, I like <laughs> I like my cushiony job here to do what I love and know what I do and not have to go to DC and be like a black sheep and be like, I have no idea what's happening in this fast paced industry that I had <laughs> no, I mean, I think that my life is fast paced. And then I went on the hill and I was like, no, no, like I, (laughs) I had nothing compared to this caliber. Well, Kelsey, don't sell yourself short. You know, you're making your voice heard in South Dakota and you got a little taste of it here in Washington. And the next time you come to Washington, you're going to be leading on the policy message. Well, Kelsey, we certainly appreciate your time. I want I want you to have enough time to get back and feed the cattle, although probably not till this evening. <laughs> but I do have to take advantage of having a beef expert, not only one who feeds cattle, but has studied meat, intro to meat. I may need to take that course. Uh, <laughs> but now that I have an expert, I want to ask you, what is the tastiest cut of beef in your estimation? I'm going to say this every time, and it's a ribeye. I, you cannot beat a ribeye. Good choice. I, mm-hmm. I just, day in and day out, having a ribeye, bring it out, let it thaw, maybe let it sit for about 21 days in the fridge, maybe let it bloom a little, and then salt and pepper, mm. throw it on the grill, sear it a little bit. You just, you can't beat a ribeye, so. Okay. How many minutes per side should I go on that ribeye? Ah. See, it depends. Like, if you're on a Traeger, it's completely different. If you're, like, on a propane grill, it just it depends on what your preference is. I'm, used, I'm doing charcoal. Uh, <laughs> I've never <laughs> grilled on a charcoal before, so I wouldn't know that. Okay, well, 
I'll experiment, but it's going to be with a ribeye. Yeah, it has to be with a ribeye. I mean, nothing else. A good, <laughs> nice ribeye from your local butcher. I mean, I like I like a little grain-fed ribeye, but you could do grass if you really wanted to. I'm not partial to any. I Both beefs are great. I just, grain-fed is my bread and butter. Well, you are what you eat, so. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, li- I like a little marbling in there. <laughs> so do I, so do I. Oh, Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us. It was, I just can't get over how much you're doing and I'm so inspired by it. And I hope that other young people and other women of all ages take a cue from you and go out there and see how they can get more involved, be on boards and make a difference because what you're doing really will, I think at the end of the day, have a difference on how agriculture continues to grow in South Dakota. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Kelsey. Well, what a great conversation with Kelsey. I, I certainly learned much more about feedlots and what a man, feedlot manager does that I did not know before. Um, but my real takeaway from our conversation was really the importance of encouraging people to get involved in organizations and in on boards. And the point that really stuck with me that she made was talking about, you know, being reached out to by people who thought she would be good in those roles. And so I guess that's what we should all be doing, right, is keeping our eye out for these people who are really ready to take on those responsibilities and those roles and and those positions and reach out to them and encourage them to, to get involved or anybody who's listening, right, to find that inspiration and get involved yourself. Chris, how about you? What were your takeaways from the conversation? Well, she got my attention early when she was talking about uh, her education, and she said she took the course Intro to Meats. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not that educated when I get to the meat counter, but I'm thinking if SDSU is still offering that course, I'm going to see if you can audit it online. There you go. And uh, Or I could just ring up Kelsey and get some good advice, <laughs> like, just get the ribeye. Yeah, right. <laughs> Can't go, go wrong there. You really can't go wrong with the ribeye. Well, a special thanks again to Kelsey Garretts for joining us today. And a thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back again in two weeks with our next episode. As always, you can listen to The Best Job in South Dakota at bestjobsd.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So until next time, all the best.